0: Let's begin. So good to have you with us everybody. I've had a- inquiring about, you know, who's that new voice on there? That's the voice of Paul, the guy that's heading up a whole team of editors. We're launching and expanding the podcast. Podcast. We're now starting and launching a new Lickin' on Leadership podcast in addition to the Lickin' on Lending. So much demand for podcast material out there, and we have so much content and so many people wanting to come on, so we're making a whole nother program on it. So, very excited, but it's good to have you with us. Welcome to the podcast, Licking on Lending. It is Monday, July 3rd, and happy 4th of July to everyone celebrating our freedoms. Of course, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're getting an increasing number of realtors, but we're grateful to have you as our listener and for you telling others about the podcast. Send the word out pass it along. Also, our commitment to you is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Be sure again to share this with your associates and people you know, and we love hearing from you as to who we should have on as guests. Looking forward to this coming month. We're going to be focusing on GSE reform. It's such a hot topic. David Stevens will be our guest on the 17th. Looking forward to having David on. I interviewed him for the Lickin' on Leadership Program here recently, but he's going to be coming on and talking to us about his perspective, his testimony, and a lot more. Alice has got a little bit of information update on that a little bit later on in the program. Today's hot topic is Brent Embler, the director of sales and marketing for Velma.com, who's a sponsor of our program. A marketing assistant. Also, we have Dan Sullivan, who is with a depository, talking about how you can market to the database of customers, existing customers, especially it's for the depositories out there. But it's really true for independents as well. You can do a much better job of getting increasing your business by just Marketing back to your existing customers or past customers, in the case of independent mortgage bankers, we're going to be talking about that. So it's an interesting interview. We pre-recorded this and decided to have that on in the hot topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Alvi, Andy, Shell, the Profit Doctor, Joe Farr, and Sam Garcia. They are all dialed in today. We're honored to have them be a part of the podcast. We also say a special thank you to our sponsors. Arch MI, the creator of the new innovative Raystar program, Motivity Solutions, now owned by Black Knight, having real-time reporting and dashboard and course scorecards. Velma, We're going to talk about them. Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant with an efficient uh, mortgage marketing and email platform. Simplify real-time electronic communications, a mortgage collaborative, the power of the network. And, of course, DNH, moving your world forward. That's no longer called DNH. i got to get this right. I've got to change up my notes here. It's Finastra, and it's a new company, combination of DNH and MySys, now owned by Avista. So far, always good to have you on. It's supposed to be a quiet day, but there's some fireworks no. going on out there. What is going on,
2: friend? Well, it, yeah. it, you know, because it's supposed to be a quiet day, maybe there's not a lot of people in the <laughs> in the market trading, causing things to kind of be crazy. But yeah, we're we're down six thirty seconds right now. Actually, we're down seven right now. And the drop kind of started when the ISM manufacturing index was released at ten o'clock Eastern time. The index came out at fifty-seven point eight, which exceeded expectations and and was better than last month. You know, the index is a measure of expansion or contraction in the manufacturing sector, and over 50 indicates expansion. Well, 57.8, which is what we just hit, is the best level we've been at since late in 2014. And it was a pretty wow. widespread expansion, David. Like, there are 18 sectors, 15 of which were show, showed growth. And the employment index, or component of the index, was the highest it's been since 2011. So we'll see if that carries over into a better-than-expected jobs number on Friday. Stocks are up. The Dow has been at one point uh, today was the highest level it's ever been. It's come off a little bit of that, and it's just under 21,500 right now, but still up over 100 points on the day. And you know the European stocks are up as well, so it's also kind of pointing to the carryover of the the whole you know central banker theme of maybe getting tighter, uh, tightening their monetary policy. As uh, we'll talk a bit last, uh, talk about in what caused rates to rise last week, but maybe a carryover of that. And so, in looking at last week. Mortgage rates rose about ten basis points last week, so it was a pretty big move. A lot of that was because of Mario Draghi and the comments he made regarding the ECB and what they might do with their quantitative easing program. You know, the comments led investors to believe that the ECB may begin to taper its bond, its purchases. They they currently buy about sixty billion a month in new bonds and or in bonds, and you know the potential drop in demand when they stop doing that and stop the quantitative easing and the easy monetary policy is that yields are going to rise. And that's what we've seen ever since he made those comments on Tuesday. Last week, the economic data had very little effect. It was mixed. The not-so-good economic data came from the pending home sales number. It fell eight-tenths when when five-tenths was expected. As we've talked about in the past, a lack of inventories cited as the cause. Durable orders also fell more than expected. On the good side, consumer confidence and consumer sentiment were both well above expected levels. First quarter GDP, of course, it's kind of old data, but it rose more as the third estimate came out at 1.4 as opposed to 1.2. The surprise last week really to me was the core PCE fell again. Uh, It's sitting at 1.4%. That's down three months in a row. And still, the – well. The, the Fed meeting preceded this, but three months in a row and going in the wrong direction is uh, significant. Yet on Friday, we saw very little reaction to it. So I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, so looking at the week ahead, uh, pretty big week. We've got the child's reports. That's so always a big week. Before that, though, we have the minutes of the June meeting will come out on Wednesday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. SIM Services Index will come out on Thursday and then Jobs Report on Friday. The consensus calls for 175,000 net new jobs, unemployment rate staying at 4.3%, and average earnings rising three tenths, up from a two tenths rise last month. So, could be a big day on Friday.
0: That could be, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. We're well, we, uh, we just going to stay glued to our screens here and see what happens, even just while we're on the program here today. And So maybe you can give us a report towards the end here. If I remind you sure. of that, jump in there if you can. But anyway, it's good to have you with us, as always. Folks, I don't know how anyone runs a business without having real-time data coming in. It is real-time. Okay, nanosecond, delayed if you're going to be really (laughs) particular, but come on. It's good stuff, and it's a great app. I encourage you to get it. We're going to be right back with Les Parker and his update, his music parody, and what's going on. I heard it is hilarious. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break.
3: Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked a loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text. Text message these are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs with mbs quoteline you'll never be out of touch with the market whether you're in the office or on the road see for yourself what mbs quoteline can do for you go to mbsquoteline.com to start a risk-free 2-week trial mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 the Licken on Lending show is back here is your host David Licken
0: Good to have you with us, everybody. It's always fun to get Les Parker's update on the market. So, Les Parker, what you got for us?
4: Thanks, Dave. This is Market Logics Live, sponsored by Lone Logic. In his midnight confessions, Draghi tells all the world he tightens too. So what message did Mario Draghi send that moved rates in the U.S. and resulted in the beatdown of the U.S. dollar? He signaled a change in monetary policy at the European Central Bank. Now investors perceive the ECB will start to reduce accommodation faster than the Fed is tightening. Thus, disparity narrows. Narrowing disparity weakens the dollar. When central banks agree on tightening, then investors raise questions Is GDP rising? Is inflation returning? Investors in euro based sovereign bonds answered by demanding more yield, so treasuries agreed. These views are my own. Go to loanlogix.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. <laughs>
0: I love the music parodies. Les does a great job. Let's move on to our dear friend, Alice Alvey, and there's lots of updates going on. Your focus, Alice, today is a little bit on the GSE reform and Bill Cosgrove's latest article. Looking forward to getting your perspective. Good to have you with us and happy 4th of July.
5: Thank you and happy 4th of July, everyone. We had a couple big events really bring to light the needs for GSE reform. So Dave Stevens, Uh, testified June 29th. Uh, You can all find the details of the testimony online. Uh, He testified in front of the Senate Banking Committee, so just use your browser. You can get right to all the details on what was said. Along with that, with some great exhibits that highlighted a couple of things that are real important to folks is really try to understand what this means. What are the details of the plan? You know, if I'm an everyday mortgage banker, what does this mean to me? Because right now it feels like things are working just fine, right? It feels like well, it's right. it sold and they get moved. And so why is reform so important to me? And I think that's what would be great, Dave, we've talked about that the next couple of shows we may start focusing on trying to bring that to a real level for people to understand the sense of urgency needed here. So Dave Stevens' testimony is very telling on the real key reasons why we need to get this we we can't keep sustaining where we're at right now we need some permanence we need the GSEs to really operate in a way long term that'll benefit the industry and keep the industry stable and you know in the event of downturns and really to keep things fair between all size lenders so bill's piece you know sometimes there's Issues on, well, you know, who does MBA represent? I mean, we've heard that discussion for many times over the years. And I think they've done a great job in making sure that lenders are a part of that mix as well. And Bill's piece, op-ed, and Housing Wire was focusing on that, you know what, even as a mid-sized lender and speaking to the small lenders as well, We need this reform. Um, It it is so critical that there's a level playing field and the issue is how to get there. And until we get something on the table to really firmly debate, you know, which NBA is trying to do, and maybe people disagree with it, but we've got to get it on the table to debate. So I urge everyone, uh, while we have a low in legislation right now, as Congress starts to head home and there hasn't been any big movement on any of the other bills at the moment, just really want to stress to everybody to get a look at Dave's testimony Read rebuild Cosgrove's article in Housing Wire and start to get yourself familiar with this because there is a lot of fire under this uh, that needs some attention to get the GSDs on the table and reform them so they have a long-term solution for our industry. So that's my push for today's uh, piece, Dave. I just wanted to bring that to everyone's attention and make sure they got a chance to read those components. I think they speak. Dave Stevens always speaks very well and very clear where stand it, and we'll be breaking that down for everyone in the coming weeks.
0: That was a good article, too. That was a really good article. And this is a this is a little bit of a complicated, good to have several angles in. So we do have another guest scheduled for next week, but I'm going to try to do my best to reschedule that guest. Either have Bill come on or a series of guests throughout the month of July so that we really focus in on this and help our listeners kind of sort through and hear the different angles. I was emailing David Stevens. Evans earlier today, and we have him scheduled for the 17th, and that's good. And I interviewed him this past week, which was good. We'd like to have had him sooner. But any of you, guess. If you've, there's someone out there that you think we'd like to get their perspective on, would love that. Appreciate you being with us, everybody. Alice, now, what are you doing for the 4th of July? I always got
5: to ask. We are probably going to attend a neighborhood event to, you know, the neighbors all get together, dish to pass, and celebrate the 4th, and it's in our new neighborhood in Ohio, uh, near in the Cleveland area. Uh, so uh,
0: we're
5: going to get to know the neighbors.
0: We'll get to know the neighbors. Well, very, very good. It's I'm glad to hear your relocation is going smoothly. Appreciate you, yeah. Alice, for coming on. Now we want us to run over to the Mortgage Collaborative. They have their upcoming conference. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, some information about the Collaborative. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Sworbinski at 440-552-0691. The Power of the Network. And that's true. The Power of the Network. You can attend the Mortgage Collaborative Summer Conference. It's happening August 20th through the 23rd in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Omni. You could just Google... TMC Summer Conference 2017, to learn more about it. Encourage you to be there. I will be looking forward to seeing you all. Also, if you haven't already, forgot to mention this earlier, if you have not started to register for the NBA's annual convention, in Denver this year, you need to get on it. I have already submitted my registration. Those of you that are kind of thinking, well, I'll get to it. You better get to it now because hotels are going. It's going to be very well attended, especially when you hear, like, the GSE reform, all the topics. This is going to be one of those don't want to miss conferences. And it will be in Denver, so it will be pleasant temperatures. Going, You know, October, we could be even getting snow by then. Who knows? We'll be we saying, But register. Look forward to seeing you there, folks. Let's get over to Sam Garcia. Yeah, always good to have Sam dial in and be a part of the podcast. What are some of the headlines you're looking at, Sam?
1: Hey, David. Good to talk to you. First data that we got from EMBS indicate that issuance of fixed rate mortgage-backed securities on behalf of Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny was $105 billion in June. That was 12% better than in May. We saw an uptick. Uh, of course, things had slowed down as refinances slowed down the prior couple of months. Still, periodizations last month, which that's pretty recent because we're talking just a few days ago that it was over, we're down 11% from a year earlier. So even though we've seen some month-over-month gains, we're still coming up short versus a year ago, and uh, that's probably a good indication of you know, how we're really faring uh, more, more recently. Now, Fannie reported in its monthly summary that its serious mortgage delinquency rate, which is the 90-day delinquency rate on single-family loans, was 1.04% in May. That's significant because that was the lowest rate since December 2007. So we're talking pre-crisis era level of delinquency for Fannie. Continues just to to get better as far as loan performance over there goes. A bit of good news is that our mortgage market index for the week ended June 30th jumped 11% from a week earlier. And that was fairly impressive, given that we're heading into the July 4th holiday weekend out front of the increase. This most recently was uh, adjustable-rate mortgages, which soared 16% on a week-over-week basis. There was a report issued from Morningstar, their credit ratings agency, and they indicated that, uh, unlike what some people have said, non-QM lending is not the same as subprime lending. Uh, An example they gave was that When alternative income documentation is used on loans today, it's usually limited to self-employed and it's underwritten prudently. Also, uh, loans with debt to income ratios in excess of 43% that are made today typically offset by requiring higher sc- credit scores, at least in the mid to upper 600 range, and lower loan-to-value ratios and beefed-up reserves also. So, again, Morningstar making the point that, no, we're not anywhere close to where uh, subprime was pre-crisis. We have yeah. some interesting M&A news. Home Point Financial announced that it expanded its wholesale lending program. Now, this includes a geographic expansion, uh, technology enhancements, and new regional divisions. And what's significant about HomePoint? Well, HomePoint just a a month ago closed on the acquisition of Stonegate Mortgage. And of course, that was one of the very few non-bank mortgage companies that was publicly traded. So they're taking advantage of picking up that wholesale program or that wholesale division and making it even bigger. At the same time, just a day earlier, HomePoint said that it sold its reverse mortgage business to Huron Valley Financial. So that's kind of interesting too. Another uh, mortgage mergers and acquisitions related story was New York Community Bank Corp. and what they announced, and also Freedom Mortgage announced that they sold their mortgage business to Freedom Mortgage. The bank actually originally picked up that that mortgage business when it bought the assets of AmTrust from the FDIC when AmTrust failed in 2009. And at the time, I don't know if anybody remembers, but AmTrust was a significant wholesale lender. And, of course, we saw wholesale just go by the wayside for a while there during the crisis. Anyway, so that that was kind of, you know, among the more interesting stories and headlines that we yeah. had over the last week. A little bit slower because people are heading out of town and, you know, doing their thing for the 4th of July. And yeah. we got today, which, of course, the market, I think you have a dearth of participants. The news is so, the markets, yeah. Yeah. So, so without… <sighs> Many people out there are playing. While of course it's a little more volatile, can tend to swing a little more wider. But I think I think you and Joe talked about how rates have uh, risen since Freddie's last uh, report. So everybody, of course, always keeps a tight eye on that. But uh, those are some of the big headlines we had over this last week.
0: Yeah, good job. So you're going to enjoy some barbecuing here. It's a little, It's going to be a little hot. It's 100 and something, 101 degrees here yesterday down central Texas, Marble Falls, Austin area. It was. It's a bit toasty. In um, and out I of the pool. Up,
1: I grew up. Um... <laughs> and we got to go see the fireworks off the Huntington Beach Pier in Southern California. Oh, yeah. the Huntington Beach Parade. And I'm in Huntington Beach, so I'm going to go see this stuff. Oh, that's a whole That's, bunch that's of right. You're, that's right.
0: You're in Huntington. Oh, I love that. Well, I lived one block off, I mean, literally one house off the beach when I lived in Huntington Beach there for uh, some years back in the late 80s. Loved it there. Oh, what a great place. So... Enjoy it, my friend. It's a beautiful spot. How about you? Out, where, enjoy where are the beach. My daughter's flying home from Europe today, so we pick her up at the airport. She lands, and we are just going to love on her. We've been missing her a lot, so we're going to love on her oh, and nice. do some barbecuing and some fun time here. So, family fun. That's what it's all about. Grateful for our nation. Grateful that and celebrate that. We've got our flags out, but we're just going to enjoy having her home safe and sound, especially when she had so much terrorist (laughs) stuff going on around her while she was there. It's just crazy some of the stuff that happened while she she was in Europe. I mean, literally that last incident that happened in Paris, her subway was right underneath that where that event took place at the very moment it took place. They were doing the comparison and they figured it out. So it was really crazy. So we're glad to have her home and we're going to celebrate that. Sam, have a great Fourth of July. I appreciate you so much for being here, and look forward to having you back.
1: Same to you, my friend.
0: All right, enjoy Honey to Beach, one of my favorite places. Love it. Okay, let's go over to Shawnee, Hodendale. Shawnee has got uh, an update on how to stay ahead of the herd. They're doing a good job of it. So, Shawnee.
5: Thanks, David. Glad to be a sponsor. Spring home is <laughs> underway. The supply is tight, and interest rates are rising. Are lenders ready to compete for purchase business, or will they get left behind? ArchMI RateStar is the best way to stay aggressive and stay ahead of the herd. Use our risk-based pricing program to assess individual loan risk more precisely. With RateStar, lenders lead their market the way ArchMI leads the MI industry. Lead with us.
0: Great ad. I love that. Lead with us. I mean, it's all about leading, and we have got to be leading. We're going to be talking about later on about GSE reform. But it's always good to be talking to leaders. And speaking of leaders, we got Andy Shell on the line, also known as the Prophet Doctor, leading in the area of the bottom line, managing the bottom line. You know what, Andy? I found a great website. In fact, my wife was doing it, we're working on our own accounting don't have the value of your wisdom around me quite as much as when we partner together, but I still get to pull on that on this radio program, and you're always available. I appreciate that. You've helped so many sort through issues on accounting issues, and the complexities are there, especially with GSE reform. We're not going to get into that in this topic necessarily. I hope you'll touch on it, but really interested in hearing your wisdom, What you got for us today, friend.
6: Well, thanks, Dave. There's so many things we could touch on, not <laughs> the least
0: of the
6: unrealized gain in the interest rate lock commitment. And that there's a big article coming out that I think Rob Crispin's going to run midweek. It's going to have a forward that I wrote covering article that written by a, a gentleman by the name of Andy Greer. He's a CPA, great guy, smart guy, brilliant guy, works at First Tennessee Warehouse Lending. And so I wrote the forward of okay. his article addressing this topic. So watch for that. A couple of things real quick, Dave. Well, first off, servicing. It's always servicing. Every day is a good day for servicing. Servicing, servicing,
0: servicing, yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I've been working with a Servicing QC, building predictive algorithms. So in a servicing environment, like a really big servicing environment, or any servicing environment, the QC function is like the football team. The QC function are the cool kids. The, cool, the QC function is actually the coolest job ever because while you do look at stuff, you also then try to figure out, why and how to prevent it next time and what do you do to fix it. So it's predictive algorithms. We run a bunch bunch of tools to make it be so that things are better prospectively. It's a really cool function and we're going to talk about that during our webinar on servicing through the MBA starting in about two weeks on the 12th. We're going to be running our first servicing webinar which is sort of the big picture. Servicing, generally, what's the ROI, how is it calculated, what's an MSR, what are the functions. We'll get into a little bit about investor remittances. And then on the 19th, we'll go deeper, deeper dive into servicing with KPIs, risk tools, performance metrics, and deeper into investor accounting, including the new Fannie Mae requirement that pool reporting is now being transitioned out. It's going to be loan-level reporting, Hmm. and all of the complexities around actual actual versus scheduled scheduled remittances and the scheduled scheduled advances that are created and how Freddie Mac is actually going to pull the scheduled scheduled remittances right out of your bank account automatically generating an advance so you sure better know you've got enough money and this is all again part of the GSE reform because what's going to happen to investor accounting it's such a huge area of servicing that's often under focused because it works and everybody does their job so there's that I talked last week about SWAT. And while I was going to go deeper into SWAT today because it's the day before the 4th, I thought instead I would do a quick example of a SWAT of me in my new business because I'm going to launch a fireworks launching company. So I'm gonna. I love fireworks. I love watching fireworks. I love having a time
0: for music. I can't wait to hear about this. All right, so you're so you got it all timed up. Okay, that's good. Yeah,
6: so I'm you know, that's an
0: idea. I don't know about I don't know about this, but you know, you know, when you think about this, Alice and Joe, you know, we've got a an accountant setting off fireworks and doing this. So this could be really interesting. Well,
6: you know, you all know right. me, Dave. I'm a musician, just like you, to heart, and yep, that's what I'm So, I'm going to do a fireworks show. So, what's my strength? Well, I'm passionate about fireworks. I love fireworks. So, I've got the money to go out and buy a whole bunch of fireworks. So, I've got my funds for my fireworks. Yeah, that's probably all of my strengths. Usually, strengths are internal things, and my weaknesses. Well, okay, uh, I don't have any experience shooting off fireworks. I don't have any procedures around how to shoot off fireworks. I don't know any of the control designs that are in place or the tools used to address safety. So, But what the heck, I'm passionate about it, so let's forget about the weaknesses. <laughs> Ex- external <laughs> threat. <laughs> you know Who do I sound this like? This is Dave? good. This is actually good. <laughs>
0: this is very good
6: usually opportunities are viewed from an external basis so everybody loves fireworks so my opportunity is people love watching fireworks who doesn't want to watch fireworks especially time to music isn't that cool so yeah. threats threats are usually things that are external as well so what's my threat well let's see i could get sued for burning down somebody's house i could get sued for starting a brush fire I could go to jail for launching fireworks as an unlicensed fireworks handler it goes on and on but that's just the basic I mean it's it's simple it's simple but it lets you realize a couple of the gaps in my business plan we can also go into this thing <laughs> yeah. called a PEST. It's called a PEST, P-E-S-T, analysis. It's an acronym. I'll talk about that later. But this is so simple. It's so simple, but it helps you
0: really oh, understand. Oh, come on. You've got to a, give us what? A, what is a PEST. Uh, the, give us that acronym. Uh, the,
6: the PEST is just like, a, you know, like SWAT is strings, opportunities, opportunities, and threats. PEST right, is right. evaluating the political, economic, social, and technological influences. So P-E-S-T oh, is political, economic, yeah. social, and technological. So if you're a business and you, and you have a, a vision to, to grow 30% per year, and you think, great, and you look at the opportunity in the world and you go, this is, we can do this. But then if you do a thorough assessment of your internal weakness and realize your procedures are weak, your staff's not strong, your staff doesn't want to grow, and your systems are flaky, then the despite the fact that you have this external opportunity, you can't implement it because you don't didn't evaluate your internal weakness. So that's why people look at they look at this in part but not in whole. And it's ineffective unless you look at it in whole, which I know you know very well, Dave. But anyway, Andy's fireworks display, Good come sir. watch it, it's gonna be in South Austin.
0: Austin. <laughs> South Austin.
6: Time <laughs> for the music. So fireworks <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. Well then there's that. That's the and then there's that. Andy, so good to have you on here. I always enjoy SWAT is one of those my favorite favorite topics and I will have to add some more comments to that at some point in time because I have SWAT patterns. Most people do it in a Z pattern. I have an N pattern and a Q pattern that I run. So teach a lot on that. That'd be fun. A Q pattern. I'll have to tell you about that one sometime. But anyway, so good to have you with us every single week. And so have a good safe. And sitting off Andy Fireworks' show. That, that would be fun. That may be sitting with a lighter in your backyard knowing how dry it is here and how we can't. So, anyway, have a great one. Thank you. Happy force.
6: Thank you, Dave. Appreciate being on the show.
0: Always love to have you, Andy. Bring mean it. Folks, let's run over to Motivity's KPI of the Week. Motivity was bought by, again, Black Knight. Excited to have them. as one of the new sponsors coming on, hopefully, and it's looking good. But let's hear from John Maynell who is VP of Client Services. John?
4: Hello. Thanks very much, David. Always good to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is application to funded cycle time. Uh, Since the arrival of TRID, cycle time measurements have obviously come to the forefront, everything from looking at the entire application to funded cycle uh, down to sub-cycles or cycle time between milestones. Everyone wants to compress cycle time, and the beauty of this type of strategic KPI is that it can be tied to operational KPIs that track the tasks or processes within the cycle that contribute to how long or short that cycle is. So operational KPIs can be thought of as the cause, and strategic KPIs are the effect. Uh, And balancing and monitoring these key measurements really can drive performance, and this demonstrates, again, that what gets measured gets results. And with that, David, I will turn it back to you. Thanks very much again.
0: Thank you, John Maynell. That is a great – I love the KPI. We get a lot of comments. It's good to have ads. In fact, I use them as a standard. If you're thinking about advertising on the podcast, look at this and how you do it. What we want our advertisers to really focus on is not just selling their wares but really providing some information that's substantive and helps you with your business. They do a great job there at Motivity Solutions doing just that. Well, another one of our sponsors, which is Velma and our friends Brent Emler and his team there, a good team of people. I met up with him this last week. He's enjoying some vacation time, but I met up with him and I'm very excited to have him share with you his recording. In fact, he brought on Dan Sullivan and I'll let Brent introduce him all in just a minute. So I pre-recorded the following. It's very interesting about what we could do to get some more business out of our existing customers or our previous customers if you're if you're an independent mortgage banker. So without further delay, let's play the interview with our friend, Velman. Folks, we're excited to have on the podcast again, Brent Emler. You've heard him here many times before. And we brought Brent on today along with uh, someone that he works with as a customer to talk about how you can effectively reach out to your customers that you may not have as mortgage customers and draw them into a relationship and get some more business. So if you're interested in increasing your business, you want to definitely stay tuned
7: to all the way through this interview.
0: Brent, good to have you back on. Thanks, David. Well, would you be so good as to introduce our guest, Dan?
7: I wanted to bring Dan Sullivan on today's show with us because. Dan has been a customer of Velma's uh, Velma.com for many years and and he's now with a depository lender and they've been successfully leveraging their bank clients uh, their depository clients consumer loan clients to generate mortgage transactions and at Velma we really believe that that's a huge opportunity for all depository lenders I have talked to dozens of lenders depository lenders over the last year or so. And there's just so much opportunity, Dave. Everyone kind of knows it, just instinctively they know that. But really, you know, having the rubber hit the road and generating some success in that area, a tremendous amount of success in that area is something that we're, we're very focused on at, at Velma.com. So we have Dan Sullivan on the line. He's the VP of sales at CapEd. And I'll let Dan, maybe you can just give a little background on you and you know how long you've been in the industry and some of the places that you've worked in the past.
8: Well, good to be here, and thanks to, thanks to both of you guys. I've been in the industry for, actually, I was just doing the math on my calculator, which now requires a calculator. been <laughs> around for about almost 30 years, almost my entire career since college has been in the mortgage industry with almost 30 years of experience. In the past, I've worked for pretty much big banks. I was with Norwest Bank back in the day. They became Wells Fargo and then went through the countrywide, man into uh, Bank of America. And worked for Bank of America for a number of years, and then actually went back to wells Fargo. so this is my actually my first time i 've worked for a small depository. We are about a half a billion dollars in assets, which when you look at a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America we 're absolutely tiny but great place to work, great place, great to be here well, sometimes Dan, those tiny companies the smaller companies are able to do more
0: innovative things than some of the bigger companies. Now, Wells Fargo and B of A, and certainly Countrywide, and at the peak of it, they was doing some very innovative things. But one of the reasons Brent was excited to have you come on the program is to talk about some of the innovation you're doing at reaching customers. Now, you're a mortgage professional. You've been in the mortgage industry forever through various channels, and now you're working into this depository, and there's a lot of customers that have accounts that do not have mortgage loans, and at some sounds like you and Brent have worked together to draw those, effectively, those depository customers into the mortgage department. I'd love to hear about that.
8: Yeah, we have. One of the things that this institution does, and does very well, is what we call indirect lending. Or let's say you go over to the local Chevy dealer and buy a new car, they'll tell you, hey, we can get you a loan through this bank or that bank, and that's indirect lending as opposed to direct lending where you go to the bank and get your loan first. So we're a very big player in the indirect lending in this area, and we bring on huge numbers of clients. From that. But when we bring those on, the only thing they know about us in most cases is we have their car loan. They make their car loan to us. So we were trying to figure out how can we, once we have their car loan, or if they came in through and just opened a checking account or whatever, however they came to us, how can we leverage that and get them to have our other products? And I'm most obviously most interested in mortgage. And that's where we decided that if we took those people and you know, there's thousands, and divided them amongst our loan officers and started drip marketing to them, you know, that would be a way to let them know that we do mortgage. And we we get, we're a pretty good player in the mortgage industry in this valley, but we still get people who say, oh, wow, I didn't know you guys did mortgage. Didn't know you did mortgage. You mentioned a term, you mentioned the term drip. Now,
0: some people are not familiar with that. So if you and Brent could expound on that a bit. Well, I can tell you
8: what I think I mean it means but the way we <laughs> that's a good way to that's a good way to drip marketing is is just something that's unobtrusive something goes out in their statement saying hey we have these mortgage programs we email them and the emails through Velma go directly from the loan officer or it looks like they go directly from the loan officer out with a monthly newsletter we send out you know, spring summer pieces you know thanksgiving christmas pieces things like that by email and also, then we have their birth dates, and, and we can send their emails out at their birthdays for a, a little happy birthday from from a specific loan officer. And when we assign hmm. that car loan customer to a loan officer, they're with that loan officer. They're assigned to that person. That person then kind of becomes their their mortgage person more or less here. What kind of success are you
0: having with the drip marketing? The the email, it's all email, not direct mail I'm assuming. I
8: mean do you do statement stuffers and things like that with your institution? We do some statement stuffers. things go out on the bottom of the statement. We have room in there to put in something that speaks to that or speaks to a you know a program that we're doing, or even just that we you know it's springtime is it time to review your mortgage or is it time to get a mortgage so so there's different things like that that go out, but I think a lot of the success probably comes through our drip marketing system, and we've had really pretty solid success. I think looking at a report the other day and from those clients that came to us through the car lending side, we've closed about 66 loans year to date.
7: Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and so, you know, I was at a, a conference, uh, the, the OB conference uh, recently, David, and
0: OB, Garth OB, over,
7: OB, Optimal Blue. We optimal a, Blue, right, we yeah, have yeah. So it, many
0: acronyms. So, yeah, yeah, yeah,
7: so yeah, one of the presenters was, well, first of all, they had the, the Moneyball guy. He was terrific, but also Garth Graham from Stratmore. And one of the things that really struck me was how expensive, how much money is going into originating a transaction just on the sales and marketing side, right? So, so right. what the statistics are showing is is that it's about $5,500 in sales and marketing expenses. This was validated by some customers and some other folks that I spoke to, finance directors. So $5,500 per loan is the cost for sales and marketing efforts. And that's per loan. And, And if you think about taking data and leveraging data, data that already exists at the bank and using marketing automation and email, which is an incredibly low cost avenue, marketing avenue, Right. you're significantly driving down that loan acquisition, that transaction acquisition cost. So we're really excited about being able to deliver you know, loans to the bank at a much lower cost per loan.
0: How did this implement? Let's talk about some So the concept is we've got thousands of customers, potential customers, customers of the institution that could be potential borrowers and of, to take advantage of our mortgage-related programs. So that's the concept. You saw the opportunity. You went out there. Talk to us now about what are the steps that you went through? What made for such a successful program versus one that might not be so successful? Tell me what you did when you got the phone call from Dan, and then Dan would like to hear from your side, what did you do for a successful campaign? And I guess it's not just one campaign either, it's it's just an ongoing program. So instead of a campaign implies a one-time event, it's an ongoing program.
7: Yeah, there are a lot of different ways. You know, Velma is a data, what we call a data-driven marketing automation platform. And so what I mean by that is, you know, banks have vast amounts of data in their systems. And if you think about servicing data, LOS data, there's just so much data that's out there. And so we have what's called an API and it's just another acronym. It's a way for third-party systems like LOSs or servicing platforms to send data directly to Velma. And when data comes in, we can transform the data in a way that aligns with the marketing objective. So what in Dan's case, I think he used, there was an acronym, speaking of acronyms, that he used to designate someone that fit a particular criteria. I think that was the the auto loan. I don't remember what that was, Dan, but you can kind of describe that. But in Dan's case, it was really, we we didn't even have an integration. He was just clever enough to use our self-service tools. He pulled data out of his system, and he, he can describe it, pulled data out of his system very quickly tagged all of those contacts, I think within, uh, you know, 10 minutes had all of these contacts in the system. And because the auto campaigns were already set up in our system, marketing just started firing. So very low cost effort, huge return. So maybe Dan, you can uh, probably better describe exactly what you did than I can.
8: Well, you said 10 minutes. It it really took me 15 or more, just to be honest. Oh, did it? Okay. 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 Still fast. Very quick. So we, we tagged all these. Obviously, there's a different system. Then our loan origination system, where all this data is housed, in our case, we call it LPQ, and which stands for something, I'm sure. But LPQ, <laughs> we, we were able to download all of our auto loans into an Excel spreadsheet, and then with that Excel spreadsheet, I was able to upload that into Velma and disperse that amongst my loan officers, even by zip code. So I was able to take different zip codes and put them nearest to the branch because all my loan officers are sitting out in, in our branches. So put, them, put the client near the closest branch, and then that loan officer starts marketing to them. So after a short period of time, they start getting this, like we were talking about this drip, and this drip marketing comes to them, and they start seeing Debbie's name over and over and over again. You know, we, we only send out one or two things a month, we don't want to smash somebody, but a couple times a month, they see Debbie's name, and when and hopefully we're right there you know, at the top of mind when they start thinking about a mortgage. They're going to pick up the phone, and the first thing they're going to do is call Debbie because she's the one who is sending them something every month. Well,
0: one thing is to come up with an email campaign that goes out, and you take advantage of templates that are out there. And maybe, Brent, we should talk about those templates. It's just add database and send. Is it that much pre-written? Because you do the writing for our radio program, for the website, and for our emails that are going out. You're an amazing writer. I think you do a great job of that. So how much customization goes into this? How much did you work with Dan and his team to really create the messaging or
7: was it just done through templates? In this case, it was templates. You know, one of the things that we're very good at here, and and thank you for your kind words, but it's definitely the entire Velma village, but we're very good at delivering fantastic content. and, And we have these newsletters on a, a monthly basis, we write the content, we schedule the, the emails, we send them out on behalf of the loan officers. And the idea here with the newsletters is, as Dan said, you know, you don't want to send too much marketing material, but you want to make sure when you do send content out that it's, it's actually content that's going to deliver value to those consumers. right? And we do the same thing for realtor partners. We have newsletters for realtor partners as well. And the goal is not to just send something for the sake of sending something, but really think about content that's going to deliver value to the consumer. As we all know in the mortgage space, the home is probably the largest financial investment any consumer is going to ever make. And really making sure that you're making smart choices, not only about the actual physical real estate, but also the financial instrument you use to acquire that real estate, and also using real estate to build wealth. So we're delivering that uh, really terrific content. And I'd be curious, Dan, to ask you, this kind of on on the fly put you on the spot, did your loan officers, did they do anything to to take advantage of that marketing automation, or did you just as one central person upload those contacts, and because the campaigns were configured, emails started firing out? Loan officers had to do something, or they didn't?
8: They did. You know, I spent many, many years as a loan officer, so I understand that they're busy, they're lazy. What you know, and when they're they're e- they're either busy or lazy. It seems like because they they work very, very hard, and then when they get a moment to breathe, they're like, oh, gee, you know. And so I actually did it all myself: set up the auto campaigns to send out the newsletters and. It's very simple to do, and that's one of the things I love about the Velma system: is the the ability to go in, set it up, and just know that it's back there working. So the birthday cards, the newsletters, the newsletters out to the realtors, uh, those things just they just happen, and that's not something I need to worry about.
7: I, I love that we're delivering loans. To the I, I can just imagine I and I know I, I see these emails sometimes from loan officers you know sort of these effusive oh my gosh thank you so much for for this lead there there's nothing better as a salesperson is there than than just you know magically out of the air someone lands on your desk who's ready to buy uh, <laughs> there's there's nothing better than that and, and it makes us feel really really terrific over here at Belmont to to know that we're able to do that so you guys got 66 loans this year for your loan officers and and you know, have you have you received some, some pretty good feedback from them about that?
8: Yeah. I mean, the loan officers love it. Well, a funny story is I just hired somebody recently about three months ago, and she brought over a database with her, gave that database to me, I uploaded it, and didn't really get around to mentioning that things were automatically going to start going out. And then I also took a, some of the database that I had from the auto loans and stuff, Stuff in there, so she had a pretty good group. And on her her first day out in her branch, somebody dropped by and said, "Thank you so much for sending me the birthday card." And she looked. <laughs> That's cool. It and made something. That's up. cool. You know, I said, "Oh yeah, 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 you betcha." You know, and and she said, "I." Called me and said, "I didn't realize I was sending out birthday emails." So I said, "Oh, oh yeah, you are, by the way." So um, <laughs> good. So here's here's the
0: question. You, there's there's some people are going to listen to this and go man, I got to use another vendor. Can I just do this myself? Why did you go to Velma, other than Brent's a great guy, but I mean, seriously, from a business (laughs) problem standpoint, why did you
8: choose Velma? Why did you do this yourself? Well, we looked at several different systems. The first is I wanted a system that that had the content. I, I don't have time to build newsletters. I don't have time to send them out and to, you know, and to, figure out how to send them out automatically in those things. I mean, I'm sure there's people who can do that, but I'm I'm too busy for that. So, yeah. having a system that does it, having a system that does it automatically is worth every penny that we spend. And I can I know that, you know, just in those 66 loans that we talk about, there's many more beyond that where people are just reminded who their loan officer was. So, you know, in the amount of business we do and the little cost that Velma is, I mean, I can justify it all day long. Yeah. And, and it's it's taking that off my plate completely. I can focus on so many other things.
0: That's great. What are some of the key factors that you think other depositories should take into consideration when doing something? It, it sounds like found money, and uh, like you said, the ROI is is so easy to get to. What do you think holds some institutions back from doing this?
8: Is it the fear or not knowing how to do it? It's a good question. I don't know why other institutions wouldn't. Have some system to do this. I know that you know, Wells Fargo—not to throw them under the bus—but you know they they relied on their tellers to to tell people when they came in on, hey, here's these other programs and these other accounts and these we do all this different stuff and. And that was huge, was so huge that it became an issue when, yeah. you know, I still mm-hmm. have accounts at Wells Fargo and they're marketing on their statements. I don't really, if it's there, I don't really notice it, but I don't get right. any emails. I don't get anything from them that is...
0: Yeah, it's not like personalized. A
8: newsletter that's relevant, interesting information. I don't get anything from them like that, certainly nothing from their mortgage department or, or other departments. So... If there's advertising happening it's it's not the personal touch, it's not that easy, fun to read piece and certainly, you know, they don't seem to care whether that I that I had a birthday. So, yeah, so or true. or send out something saying, you know, hey it's it's springtime, it's time to, you know, open the vents on the bottom of your, the, your foundation vents, or it's fall time to close them, or, you know, whatever whatever it is. I, you know, know it, David, I
7: think that one of the things I've heard a lot from depositories is that, in fact, I was just talking to another one of our customers, big customer out of California, one of the largest depositories in the country, and he was telling me that the mortgage division and the traditional banking side of the house were really run almost as two separate businesses. It's like the mortgage division at depositories is often sort of the, I don't want to say it's the redheaded stepchild, but it's sort of a, a, a different thing, right? It's this, that's a, that's this a, whole right. separate, it's what?
8: That's an industry term we use. The <laughs> 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 Apology um, so, to all the redheads
7: in the audience.
5: <laughs> well, it,
7: it would have to be the stepchilds too. But what he said was they recently aligned goals between the traditional banking side of the, of the business and the mortgage side of the business and started bringing those two things, to, those two sort of complete, Different business models together. And so I think we're going to start seeing more and more depositories leveraging their data. I, I know we are. And, and certainly any of Elma's customers 100% guarantee that they're going to be doing more of that. But I think that's part of the challenge is that there traditionally have been two separate things. And so, you know, starting yeah. seeing depositories starting to ask their mortgage professionals to promote traditional banking products to their mortgage clients and vice versa is something something that we would highly encourage all lenders to do and then if you start looking at the data that's available I have you know kind of back the napkin David what I've seen based on the conversations I've had with depositories, there's about 10 times more depository clients than mortgage clients. So if you think about a depository who has 100,000, in, in Dan's case, they've got 65,000 clients, right? So you're probably gonna have, let's say, if you had 100,000 depository clients, you'd have 10,000 mortgage clients. That means that there are 90,000 households who are not enjoying the benefits of your mortgage products. That's a stunning number. And I did some some math on on Dan's numbers. of the people he pulled out of that auto loan group turned into mortgage clients. Now, it's a smaller sample set, right? 2,200
0: to... Yeah, but 3%, still, that's that's tremendous. That's that's way better than any other response rate you're going to get from direct mail or anything else.
7: That's awesome. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So if you think about a depository with 100,000 depository clients, and and so 90,000 of them are not mortgage clients... What's three percent of ninety thousand? I think that's three thousand mortgages. Three thousand mortgages a year from your consumers. Wow. I, I mean, it's the numbers are stunning. And then if you look at, you know, look, there's a lot of ways you can you can get this job done. Velma's not the only only way in the world to get this this job done. The message here is dig into your data and leverage it to generate mortgage transaction. There is gold in there in those hills.
8: One thing that we found is that the tellers and the call centers and, and those things that I think some of the bigger banks rely on don't work as well for us. And I don't think they work as well for the Wells Fargo's. I don't think they worlds. work well for them either. Yeah, well, I agree. They, because, because mortgage is such a specialized and, and such a wide and diverse department, and so there's so much knowledge required to do a mortgage or to accurately talk to somebody about a mortgage that when they get talking to a teller or a call center or a financial service rep or something, those people don't have the knowledge, they don't have the background. They, they can't talk intelligently about the mortgage or the mortgage options. So it turns into a big problem. So what we need to do is find some way to direct those people to a mortgage loan officer. And I think that's what what our programs are designed towards is let's get, you know, Debbie or Mike or, or you know, Paul, whoever has your guy. So when you have a question, well, no matter how big or small, whether you want to just ask a question about mortgage or you want to do an application, you got a guy, you got a person, you got somebody you can go to, and that person is going to be knowledgeable and be able to answer your questions rather than the teller or somebody at the call center who doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, really good points. And I, I've got to believe, Dan, that this
0: has got to have helped your recruiting efforts. As you look at, you know, a loan officer is considering going to work for a non-depository or another entity that doesn't have a marketing effort like this. I've got to believe this has got to help draw in
8: loan officers that that otherwise may not have joined your institution. Well, what's interesting is I don't have an open position at the moment. Oh, really? We're right. We are, we're full. So, you know, at this moment, we don't have room. If you wanted to come to work here, if you were a great top producer, I would be able to find a seat somewhere. So Wow. It's working. It's
0: really working. Man, this has been a great conversation. I'm looking at the time, and it's just been good to have you on, Dan, sharing the stories about this. Dan, I'm going to go start with you. Is What are some parting thoughts for depositories that you haven't shared or that you might think of that... You'd like to share with our listeners, and then go over to you, Brent.
8: Well, I, I would I would recommend that, that none of them do any of these strategies because you know we're being very successful, and I don't want them to you know, adopt any of this. So
7: good.
8: So uh, bad bad conversation to have
0: with me because I'm recording it. We're going to broadcast this on the, oh, wait, over wait, the holidays. What? So so so, yeah. oh, so sorry about that, yeah. End, But Yeah, but you're uh, up in Idaho, so I'm not sure that some of these companies are going to be marketing in your market. But that's a great. Uh-huh. They're great, statement. It's working that well. You don't want the word out. I love it. Right. Yep. <laughs> that's good. And you sure don't want them to know about Velman. What a powerful tool that is.
8: No, no, that's. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's so
0: good. I love it, Dan. Thank you, Dan, for joining us. Brent, you want to wrap this up and share your last pearls of wisdom for our audience?
7: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm just going to be pretty repetitive, Dave. I, I, my message is um, look at your data and leverage it. There are a million different ways to get the most out of your data. I've, I've spoken to boss to story lenders who, who are buying leads from, from the lending trees of the world. And it just absolutely boggles my mind why you would do that when you've got a million, literally a million data points sitting right at your fingertips. So get into your data, dig into it. I guarantee you're going to find a lot of money in that data.
0: That is excellent. And this is even true of non-depositories. How many people Definitely. have you gone through? We had Alec Kuchin on here recently of Sales Boomerang talking about he monitors where your clients have been turned down. Same kind of thing. You team up with this type of effort, this type of technology, Sales Boomerang, Velma, folks, you can have a big impact. Volumes may be Interest rates may be going up and volumes may be going down, but not for the companies that are employing the right tools. Dan, Brent, thank you so much for being with us. Well, it was a good interview, and I appreciated the fact that they uh, came on. So it's good to have you with us, listeners. We've got Joe Farr on here giving us a market update here at the end. Joe, what you got, friend? I'm looking at these things. Looks like we got a little bit of of movement going back to uh, neutral.
2: Yeah, no, it's certain securities are showing a little improvement. The majority of them have pretty much just held where they were, a little bit of a little bit of sideways movement, not, not a lot of change over the last flowers.
0: Well, folks, I tell you, it's it's interesting. I love your service, Joe. I just I keep telling everybody about it. You, yeah, I, I pull up my app and show them every time I'm in a meeting. Say, hey, what's the markets doing? Oh, well, let me show you. <laughs> so anyway, it's fun to have that. Great. Doing anything, you'd be out here. Joe has a place out here, listeners, by fairly close to me out on the lake. And uh you going to come out here and enjoy it, or did you uh, – Yeah. Did someone want it's such a beautiful place, a lot of people rent it.
7: Yeah.
2: We we have people staying out there this weekend, so I'm gonna chill in the in the cool.
0: Well, chill in the cool. It's good to have you with us, Joe. Thank you so much. And listeners, so good to have you here with us. Have a great week. Great, happy fourth of July to all of you and look forward to having you back next week. Thank you.